Perhaps you've heard this before, but do you know how children spell the word love? Do you know how they spell it? T-I-M-E. Right, we can say, oh, I love you so much, but unless you're willing to spend time with a child, those words fall on deaf ears. But I would extend that beyond just our children and make it anybody whom we love, anybody who loves us. More important to them than what we can do for them is who we are for them. More important than all of the tasks and all of the work and all of the behind-the-scenes stuff is, are you willing to be in my presence? Like, are you willing to give me that span of your life that you will never get back that is this piece of time? That's where love is shown. And how many of our arguments, right, among couples or within families are about, don't you see all the things that I do for you? And the other person saying, yeah, yeah, all of that's less important than would, could we just be together? Just for a second, can we just spend some time together and at least pretend that we enjoy that? And then maybe go from that to legitimately enjoying it? Can we get to know each other rather than just having this frenzy of things that we do for each other? And not only is that among ourselves, within our families, with our friends, but most importantly, that's what God wants. Very often, we base our worth in the things that we can do. I am as good as I am useful to my family. I'm only as good as my paycheck, or I am only as good as uh, my talents, or what I bring to the table. I'm only as good as the things that I do around the house, or whether I can uh, make sure that everybody else is doing fine. And that's a lie from Satan. Your worth is not in what you can do. Your worth is in who you are, in the eyes of God. Precious enough for him to shed his very blood for you. But the only way that you will know that worth is if you spend time in his presence. You can only see what you look like in his eyes if you give him that love that is expressed in your time being given to him in prayer. You're going to keep buying that lie of I'm only as good as the things that I can do. Right? Accomplishments that can be measured if prayer is on the back burner. And that's not a happy way to live. Because then, old age, when we start being able to do less and less and less, becomes something terrifying for us. And we think, oh no, is my dignity kind of dissipating right now because I can't do these things? Maybe illness or injury. You think, oh, no, 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 I I am now less dignified than I was before because you placed your dignity in the wrong thing. It was in what you could do for people, in what you could do for God, instead of who you are for Him and, by extension, who you can become for other people. The key to it all is in today's Gospel, where Martha is in a frenzy trying to do this and do that. And there's something good and beautiful to that. She's trying to express love as well. But Jesus teaches her a beautiful lesson. Saying, more than what you can do for me, I care about who you are. I want to do more for you than you can do for me. That's the love that God has for us. 
And that's, I hope, the lesson that we can take with us as well. Is that God doesn't need you. And at first glance, that might, that might be kind of a harsh thing to, uh, to, to hear. At first listen, you might think, wait, God doesn't need me, but I need to be needed. No, you don't. You need to be loved. And God did not create you because he needed you. He created you purely because he loves you. And so God does not need your activity. He's willing to work through it. He's willing to have you be his instrument. But the only way that you become his instrument and have your actions actually be worth something is if before all of that and undergirding it is this relationship that you have with him in prayer. And so, just as Jesus said, there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part. And there he was speaking of her doing nothing. Just being in the presence of the Lord and receiving his love and his teaching and his instruction. Well, that's the case for all of us. The best thing that you will ever do in your life, the highest accomplishment that you will ever reach. It's not your career. It's not even your family. It's not all of the gifts and talents that you develop over the years. No, no, no. The greatest thing that you will ever do is pray. That's the highest achievement. Very often we think, what are the highlights of my life? Oh, I got to meet this public figure or that one. I got to fall in love with this person. I I got to uh, be able to develop a relationship with this person. All of that pales in comparison to having a private audience with the king of the universe, of being able to fall deeply in love with love himself, of being able to develop a relationship with the only one who knows you to the core, has all the dirt on you and still doesn't reject you, instead says, oh, I can work with this and I will work with this, but please give me that love that is spelled T-I-M-E. Give me, give me a chunk of your life every single day so that I can work in you rather than having you work for me. Because that's very often the way that we look at our relationship with God. We just think, yeah, it's my job here on earth to just do his bidding and kind of work for him. I'm like a low-rung employee and he's this boss with a clipboard that's just trying to do an evaluation and I got to make sure that I you know, uh, cross my T's and dot my I's. And what a boring and awful life that would be. No, no, no. Life is a love affair. Life is an adventure. Life is getting to know God that much better every single day. It's realizing that He is visiting you every single day. We have in the Gospel, of course, this very explicit instance of Jesus visiting someone. And someone either giving Him the time of day or being in a frenzy with all this other activity that they were doing for him, but missing the whole point. But then also in the first reading, it's that mysterious scene where we see Abraham and Sarah, and they're visited by these three mysterious visitors that the church fathers from the very beginning of the church recognized this was a manifestation of God, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there looking like men, Or angels. And he just thought, oh, I don't know exactly what this is, but I know that I have an encounter with God right here. And what did he do? He stopped everything and gave God his full attention. He gave him his first fruits of that moment. He said, no, 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 this is a divine visit. And so I want to give God my presence, my time. And we might think, well, that's cool. If God showed up on my doorstep, 
obviously I would drop everything for him. If Jesus came, obviously I would sit at his feet. I wouldn't be so sure. If we don't develop that habit of receiving the Lord during his daily visits that he makes to us, we're never going to recognize him. If we don't put ourselves before him intentionally in prayer every single day, then we're going to miss him all over the place. Because he's visiting 24-7 in other people through the beauty of creation. Here in the church, he is always just waiting for us to come and to receive from him. But consistently we say, I, maybe later, right now I'm too busy doing stuff for you. So maybe later I will express my love in person. But right now it's just going to have to be by proxy of all the things that I say I'm doing for you. And God says, calm down. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you. Right? I don't even need you to be here. I want you to be here. I want you to be here not because I am needy of your presence, because you, but because you are needy of my presence. And so when we have adoration here every day, it's not an obligation. You don't have to do it. But God is saying, I'm here. And if you want to uh, receive that rest that only my presence can give, I'm waiting for you. I'm here, and if you want to be able to unburden some of your problems on somebody who actually cares and can do something about it, I'm here. So we can think this week, how am I going to open myself up to these divine visits more? What is the time of day? And I need to think exactly when I'm going to do it and where I'm going to do it. How am I going to pray every single day this week? I think what stops us a lot of the times is because we're so focused on doing and performing and we got to do it and get it exactly right. We think, I don't know how to pray and I'm too shy to ask somebody to teach me because like I'm in my mid-50s and I still don't know how to pray. And we get so nervous about that and we think like, oh no, I can't possibly share that with anybody that it's difficult for me. The apostles were with Jesus for years. Day in and day out, they were with God himself. And what did they ask him? They said, Lord, um... Teach us how to pray. Right? Can you imagine? And there they give us permission to not have it all figured out. They give us permission. And I go through this routinely. And I'm literally a priest. Right? I should be a master at prayer. And yet, every few months I'll be sitting in the chapel. And I might have shared this with you. It's still the pattern of my life. I'll sit there and I'll say like, I don't know what I was just doing for the last like 15 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it was just like daydreaming. There's no real prayer there. Lord, I need you to teach me how to pray again. And I think that's going to be the course of the rest of my life, is that I'm going to be continually learning more and more how to pray and realizing how incredibly simple prayer actually is. I over-engineer it like crazy. I think, oh, I have to say this devotion and do that and say these words and do this. And God's like, oh, that's fine. And maybe some of that will help you. Really, what I just want is you to just be here with me. Share your day with me. I actually care. Let me know what you're excited about. Let me know what is scaring you. Let me know what is causing you to maybe hate yourself a little bit because you regret this or that. And let me love you in that place. He wants to be that best friend for us. How this week can we allow that to happen? It's stunningly simple. In fact, to illustrate the point, 
One of my best friends is staying with me uh, this weekend. He's on vacation. He's a priest of Phoenix. And he shared this story with me just last night. And it was of this uh, blind priest that a friend of his knew. Uh, And this blind elderly priest lived alone in this neighborhood. And he knew the neighborhood well enough to where he could actually navigate it. Like he knew where he was going to be. He had his stick. He could navigate the neighborhood just fine. But one day, something happened, and he just kind of lost his way. He got turned around. And if you could imagine the terror in that moment uh, of, of being blind, of usually knowing where you need to turn, but at that moment having zero idea where you were and how you were to come back home. And so he sat down on the curb, and he started praying, and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I just... I I can't hear anybody around me. I can't see anything. I don't know where I am, and I don't know how I'm going to get home. And he heard this voice that said, sit down in the middle of the street. And he said, okay, that can't be you, God. (laughs) Like That's a death wish. I can't do that. I know, like, one of the basic rules is don't sit down in the middle of the street. So, no, what else you got? Sit down in the middle of the street. And he's like, I can't do... All right, fine. So he sits down in the middle of the street, and within moments, there's a car that's just hurtling toward him, honking the horn, saying, what are you doing, crazy old man? Get out of the street. Honking the horn, slamming on the brakes, thankfully stopped just in time. And as the guy's rolling down the window, just yelling at this man who's sitting in the, uh, in the middle of the street, he um, looks out the window and says, Father? Father, what are you doing here? And he explains himself. He says, I got turned around. And it was one of his parishioners. And he gives him a ride home, uh, leads him up to the, to the door of his house. And at that moment, that priest realized one of the greatest truths of the spiritual life. You got to place yourself where you'll be found. That's the, the, the simplicity of prayer is insane. That's all that it is. It's placing yourself in a place where you will be found. It is putting yourself in the way of where the Lord can come to visit you. Where where he can be the one that actually cares and can actually help. It's the greatest thing that you will ever do with your life is to devote it to prayer. The greatest accomplishment that will echo for all eternity is did you pray well or did you neglect that for all of the dust and ashes of this world? Is everything you can ever accomplish in this world, that'll fade away. All of the trophies that you may earn, they're going to be in a garage sale someday, or most likely a landfill. But your prayer and that relationship that you develop with the Lord, that is the beautiful thing St. Paul wrote of. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The most glorious thing you will ever do is develop a life of prayer. And so this week we can ask ourselves, how am I going to do that? How am I going to every single day choose the better part? Even if it's just for 10 minutes every morning or every afternoon or as I drink an afternoon cup of coffee or whatever the case may be. What is the time and what is the place where I will place myself where I can be found? Put myself in the presence of God and start developing that most important relationship that I will ever know.